Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Psalm 25, verses 16 through 17. We're continuing our series tonight, All By Myself, Overcoming Loneliness. And uh, tonight, we're going to look at reasons and remedies for loneliness. How many of you ever read Peanuts cartoons? Amen. All right, a few of you are Peanuts fans, all right? Uh, but, you know, Linus is kind of the one that's always, you know, a little bit downcast, and he has that cloud, follow him wherever he goes. Well, in, in a particular Peanuts cartoon, a melancholic Linus confesses to the great sage, Charlie Brown, that he is scared of going to the public library because it makes him feel so lonely. So attempting to comfort his friend, Charlie Brown explains that everyone feels lonely at some place and some time or another. And Linus responds, what's your place? You know, what's your place where you feel lonely? Charlie Brown answers, earth. And in a way, he answers for all of us because we have all felt that awful feeling of loneliness in this great big earth packed with people. In another episode of the cartoon strip, Charlie is asked, what are you going to be when you grow up? And he answers, lonely, lonely. You know, Charlie Brown is such an incredible and likable character because I think we can all relate to him. He's just real. He's authentic. And it's amazing that in a world dealing with the problem of overpopulation, we're also dealing with the problem of loneliness worldwide at the highest levels perhaps in history. And as we noted last week, here in America, three out of five people say that they feel lonely often or very often. So this is not just a passing, oh, today I felt a little bit alone. No, th this is chronic loneliness. They're feeling lonely often or very often. I was even hearing a news story recently uh, about how young people uh, in their teens and 20s are feeling very lonely and isolated. And a lot of it is because of their disconnection through social media. They think it's connection, but... It has made them actually antisocial. They're not taking the time to develop personal relationships because in time past, loneliness was considered a problem primarily among seniors. But recent studies show that the problem of loneliness is greatest among those between the ages of 16 and into their 20s. They're the ones that are suffering the most from loneliness. And loneliness is a universal human problem. It doesn't matter um, your age or your stage in life. It doesn't matter if you're married, if you're not married. It doesn't matter if you have kids or not kid, don't have kids. People experience loneliness, amen? Even Christians can experience loneliness. Many great people of faith in the Bible, like Moses, Job, Paul, and David, they had times when they felt lonely. In fact, many times in the Psalms, David, who is described as a man with a heart after God, prays out of the deep pain of loneliness. And one of those times is Psalm 25, verses 16 and 17. David says, turn to me and be gracious to me. Why? For I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Loneliness is more than being alone. 
It is the sadness and suffering of soul. David calls it anguish of heart. It is the sadness and suffering of soul that we experience when we feel that no one is with us, that no one cares, and that we are alone in this life. The fact that God inspired David's anguished prayer of loneliness to be recorded for us tells us that God cares about what we are feeling. God cares about our emotions. That's why the Bible has much to say about the subject of loneliness. And today we want to look at some of the reasons and remedies for loneliness. First of all, there are many reasons why loneliness is so pervasive in society today. People spend so much time on social media today. People my age spend usually over two hours. Younger people spend about six hours per day on social media. That's an intensive addiction, okay? So because people spend so much time on social media today, they're interacting at a shallow level. They don't have the time to invest in developing deep relationships with a few people because they've got 5,000 followers, but they don't know any of them. They're not close to any of them, amen? And they get depressed if their post doesn't get X number of likes. Oh, nobody likes me because I didn't get uh, a thousand likes on my post. You know, and that's why anxiety and depression are at such a high level, and I recently saw a news report on that as well, are at such a high level. That's one of the reasons that it's such a high level among young people. Um, more people are also living in urban settings and this has led to loneliness. About 50% of the world's population live in cities. And you would think, well, that should counteract loneliness. Because in cities, there's more people. You're surrounded by people. But research indicates that people feel lonelier in crowded cities. One writer asserts, the closer people live to one another, the more they tend to emotionally isolate from one another. The further people live from one another, the more they tend to be emotionally close to each other. Isn't that amazing? The closer you live to, live to people physically, the further you are from them emotionally. And the further you are per people physically, then you're closer to them emotionally. Isn't that crazy? So cities are crowded places where strangers live right next door to each other. How many of you know your neighbors' names? a couple of you. The others are like, oh me, hallelujah. <laughs> Another reason that loneliness is so pervasive is that people move around nowadays a lot more than they did in the past. So they get disconnected from extended family. They get disconnected from long-term friendships. And, and because it hurts so much to break those relationships, they just don't make those relationships when they move the next time because it's too painful. People today also play, place a high value on privacy and convenience. And so we tend to hold people at arm's distance. And since building meaningful relationships takes time and energy, it's just not convenient. So many decide it's not worth the time, the energy, or the trouble. So we have families that are disconnected also due to divorce, due to work schedules, and due to distance. People are becoming less and less involved in the local church. And you know, the local church is the family of God. 
Folks, I want you to understand something. The church is not man's idea. It's God's. It's God's gift to us. It's God's creation. Amen? It's a blessing for us. It's one of the means of grace in our life through which God supports us and strengthens us and speaks to us and works in our life through our relationships with one another. Amen? And, and we are the family of God. We are a Christian community. And we need the relationships that we have within the body of Christ. But because people have not been investing in relationship, many people just come to church and they don't have those deep Christ-centered relationships. So it's very easy then to disconnect as well. And not only disconnect from church, but that can lead to disconnecting from God. Disconnecting from, I love the story and I've shared it here before about a pastor that was visiting someone who had not been in church for some time. And so, you know, he went to, to visit the man and see if he was okay and what was going on in his life. And so the man told him that, you know, I can worship God here just like anywhere else and blah, 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 blah. So while he was speaking, there was a fireplace there and the pastor got up and he took one of the embers off of the fireplace and he set it to the side. And the man went on talking and that ember started to die out. And he said, brother, he said, that's what happens to us when we remove ourselves from the church. The fire of God's spirit, the fire of passion begins to die out you know, inside of us. And so we need that, that Christian community. We need it not only for our spiritual relationship, but we need it in our life. You know, in the early church, they ate together in one another's homes daily. They were constantly together. And it said that they had great joy and gladness. There is a joy and gladness that comes in walking together uh, in, in the body of Christ. And we share our lives together and, and we share fellowship together. And, and you know, because you can't have that kind of relationship with somebody that doesn't have your beliefs, that doesn't have your values, that doesn't have uh, your faith in God. Why? Because it's going to negatively influence you. You know, the Spanish people have an old saying, dime con quien anda y te diré quien eres. Tell me who you walk with and I'll tell you who you are. Because if you're walking with people that are not serving God, let me tell you something, for lack of a better term, it's going to rub off on you. Because you're going to start thinking like them and acting like them and believing like them. And that's why we need to be around people who love God, who desire to serve him, people who are standing in faith, because you know what? That's going to rub off on us as well. Amen? And that's why we need the family of God. So these are just some of the practical realities of modern-day life that have converged together to create a society in which loneliness is pervasive. But you know what? God created us with the deep need for relationship, both with him and with others. In the Garden of Eden, God is described as coming down and walking in the cool of the evening and talking with Adam and Eve. Before they sinned, they enjoyed perfect and unbroken relationship with God. And we know that when Adam was by himself, God said, it's not good for man to be alone, so I will make for him a helper or a companion. And the Hebrew word really speaks one that was compatible to him or one that was equal to him because he had gone through all the animals, named all the animals, but there was no suitable relationship. And don't get me wrong, I love my kitty cats, but it's not the same as having a relationship with a person, right? Amen? 
And so none of the animals were compatible. And so God said, I will make for him one that is compatible. And, and, and even though it goes on to speak about um, the marital, the institution of the marital relationship between one man and one woman, um, it may not be God's will for everyone to be married, but it is God's will for us to all live in deep and meaningful relationships with others. God has created that need for relationship within us. This was God's plan from the beginning, and when either the relationship with him is broken or it is lacking with others, then we experience loneliness. That's the real root of loneliness. And this is why feelings of loneliness can be so painful and cause such sadness and depression, because we were created as relational beings. We were made to live in relationship, both vertically and horizontally. And loneliness, is often caused by a lack of friendship with others. Do you know that loneliness existed before sin entered the world? On the last day of creation, after God created Adam, he said, it is very good. Everything he had created is very good. There's only one thing that God said was not good. And that's when he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And we need to understand the sequence of events here. I know I mentioned this in a previous message about God saying it's not good to, for man to be alone, but I want to highlight something different. Because some Christians think that if everything is right in their life spiritually, uh, they'll never experience loneliness and they don't really need anybody else. But Adam had a close and intimate relationship with God, unbroken, unhindered by sin, and he was still lonely because he was alone he had all the animals god created but he was still lonely because the companionship of animals is not a substitute for deep human connection adam was lonely because he was alone and there was no one compatible to him and even though this passage shows us the origin of the marital relationship as instituted by God between one man and one woman, the application, as I said, is much wider. Adam was not lonely because he was imperfect or sinful. He was lonely because he was created in God's image and God exists in relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And a part of God's image is that the Bible says that God is love. God is both the giver of love and he's also the receiver of love. He receives our love, amen, our worship, our adoration. And being created in his image means that we have the capacity to love and to be loved. It is hardwired into our very being. We were created that way. God made us as relational beings. So Adam and Eve enjoyed unbroken fellowship with God in the garden, and they also enjoyed deep and open human companionship until Adam and Eve chose to sin. And their relationship with God was broken and their relationship with one another was fractured. How do I know? When they heard God walking in the garden, what'd they do? They ran and hid. Their relationship with God was broken. But that's not where it stopped. They made coverings for themselves to cover their nakedness from one another. That represents the facades or protective walls that we build up to keep ourselves from being fully known by others because we're afraid now that we're imperfect, now that they were imperfect, now that they were sinful, and we are sinful and imperfect. We are afraid of not being loved or being rejected because of some fault or imperfection in our lives. That's why we build up those walls and we only let what we want to be seen through the wall. How many of you know what I'm talking about, amen? And herein 
lies the root of loneliness. That's why all of scripture points to the coming of Jesus through whose sacrifice we could be forgiven of our sins, reconciled to God, or be right, restored to right relationship with God. And when we receive Christ as our savior, we are also brought into right relationship with one another as members of the body of Christ. And Paul deals with that in Ephesians 2. How being connected to God not only connects us to God, but it connects us to one another and brings us together as one in the body of Christ. Folks, there's no such thing as living out your Christian life on your own. By virtue of relationship with God, we are brought into relationship with one another, his church, the family of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's why the scripture replaces repeated emphasis on loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving others as ourselves. Some people, they just want to stop with the loving God with all heart, mind, soul, and strength. Oh, I've got my relationship with God. I love him. I don't need the church. I don't need Christian people. No. God says vertical and horizontal. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love one another as you love yourself. What he's saying is the Christian life is all about relationships. It's all about relationship, relationship with God, relationship with one another. God created us for relationship. And the Bible repeatedly tells us to love one another. In fact, it says that we can't love God if we don't love our brother. That speaks of a Christian. Okay, when the Bible talks about brothers or sisters, they're talking about Christians. If we can't love the family of God, if we can't love our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we can't love God. As I said, some people think, I don't need people. All I need is God. Well, that's simply not true, and that's calling God a liar. I don't need the church. That's simply not true, and that's calling God a liar. He says, forsake not the fellowshipping of yourselves. And he doesn't mean me just getting together with, with uh, my, you know, my friends or, or, or somebody getting together with their wife or husband and say, well, that's the church. No. This is the church. This is the church. And he says, forsake not the fellowshipping of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. But all the more as the day of Christ is approaching, we need to gather and provoke one another unto good works. That's Bible. That's not me. That's Bible. Amen. God made us with the need for human companionship and need to to be known and to know and need to love and be loved. The problem is that after sin entered the world, so did anger, fear, selfishness, anxiety, and all of our weakness and imperfection that brings dysfunction into our relationships. And because we've experienced dysfunction in our relationships, a lot of times we hold people out at arm's length, right? And that's why we experience the frustration of troubled relationships. And it causes us to retreat from intimacy and hide ourselves behind our protective coverings. So what's the answer? The first thing we need to do, if we haven't already, is we repent of our sins and receive Christ as our Savior. Then our identity is in Christ. We are secure in Christ. We don't have to be insecure with others. I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I don't have to strive for anybody's acceptance because I'm completely accepted in him. Amen. So now that frees me to love people. Amen. Folks, you know what? And, and, and don't think this being audacious or brash or prideful. 
I don't care whether people like me or not. Now, I'm not going to go out there and act nasty so that you'll not like me. But you know what? My identity does not depend on whether you like me or not. If it did, I wouldn't be able to preach the way I do. Because I would, I would want to make sure I'm pleasing everybody. And Paul says, if you're trying to please men, you can't please God. So you know what? When we accept Jesus Christ, our identity is in Christ. Amen? So we don't have to worry about what other people... A lot of people don't even witness because they're afraid of what other people think about them. I don't care. Not in a bad way, but I don't care. That's why I, I stepped out and I was witnessing to a Muslim woman this, this week. I don't care if she got upset at me. I sowed a little seed, and by God's grace, I'm praying that he'll water that seed, that he'll send somebody else. Maybe he'll send you. It's a store right across the street. Maybe he'll send you in there to water that seed. Amen? Praise the Lord. But, but if we're bound up by insecurity and, oh, somebody might reject me, they may not like me, they may talk nasty to me, who cares? God loves me. God has accepted me. Hallelujah. Amen? Again, we don't go around acting all nasty and rude to make people reject us. We, we need to love others. I showed this woman great love even when she was getting upset at me. So we go around, we love others, you know, but we can't let our identity, identity be based on what they think of us or how they react to us, amen? At the moment that we're born again, we are made a new creation and God begins to work in our lives. And, and, and then we need to surrender ourselves to the Lord and ask him to change us and make us more and more like him. And, and, and when he's in control of our life, guess what happens? It produces the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the work of the Spirit in us, the fruit of the Spirit. And, and when these things characterize our life, it'll make us the most lovable and loving person there is. I mean, who doesn't want to be around somebody who is loving and kind and gracious and gentle? Who doesn't want to be around somebody like that, amen? And that's what should be happening in us as we're allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way. So that's where we need to start. We need to pray and ask God to help us to overcome fear that inhibits relationships, and we need to ask the Holy Spirit to work in us and to, to um, produce the fruit of the Spirit in us. And then we need to work on our interpersonal skills. See, we can't produce the fruit of the Spirit in us. Only the Spirit can. That comes through surrender, right? We can't make ourselves a new creation. That's something God does in us to make us more like Christ, right? But there is something we can do with God's help, we can work on our interpersonal skills. We can work at being more outgoing. We can work at being more likable. Hallelujah. Sometimes people say, oh, well, you know, people aren't very friendly. Well, how friendly are you? And the Bible says a man who would have friends must show himself friendly. So to have a friend, you need to be a friend. Amen? There's an old song that says, when you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. In fact, there's a TV commercial. I can't remember what they're advertising right now, but it's about someone's first day in college. And, and uh, when they walk into the room with a plant in hand or whatever, the roommate that's already in the room turns and smiles at them, and then they smile, and the, the, the commercial says, you know, uh, basically, when you smile, others will feel more comfortable, and they'll smile too. Hey, folks, in a way, that's Bible. Show yourself friendly. 
you'd be amazed. You smile at somebody, they'll smile back, amen? We, and we have to realize this. Other people feel what we feel. They may be lonely. They may be insecure. They may be afraid of rejection. They may be shy. All the things that keep you from stepping out, they're probably dealing with as well. And if you both just sit there and say, I'm waiting for somebody else to step out. Hello? Amen? But if you smile, they'll smile back. If you talk to them, they'll talk back. If you reach out to them, they'll reach back. To have others care about you, care about them. I just want to say that again. To have others care about you, care about them. Because so often where they're worried about, oh, woe is me, nobody cares about me. You know. Well, hello. Care about somebody else. And you'll find how it'll come back to you. To avoid being lonely, keep someone else from being lonely. To have someone to talk to, listen to someone else talk. But you know what? This requires effort. We have to act. We have to overcome that inertia of loneliness. Inertia is when something stands still going nowhere. And if you want to stay lonely, do nothing. Let me just say that again so it'll sink in. If you want to stay lonely, do nothing. But if you don't want to be lonely, reach out and be friendly. Amen? And I'm not talking about, you know, because sometimes our loneliness can push us to want to find a boyfriend or want to find a girlfriend, and so we grab the first thing that smiles at us. And before you know it, we're in a relationship with the wrong person. Amen? I'm not talking about, you know, smiling to get a boyfriend or, you know, no. I'm talking about, you know, another thing I've noticed is this. People are not investing in friendships. Like women don't invest in friendships with women. Men don't invest in friendships with men. So if they're not married, what are they going to do? They're going to be looking for and grabbing the first person that pays attention to them because they're lonely. Folks, we need to invest in relationships, in friendships. Women invest in friendships with women. Men invest in friendships with men. And don't look for the perfect friend or friendship because it doesn't exist. You know why? Because you're not perfect. So right there, that blows it. And guess what? They're not perfect either. Amen. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. What is it saying? It's saying we all have rough edges, but we can help each other become better, and that's what true friendship does. So assume responsibility for not being lonely. Become an active part of your church family. Participate in activities. Reach out and start building friendships. Because as a Christian, you can really only have a deep connection with someone who is of like faith, like values, and like morals. That's why the Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why? Because they're going to drag you in the wrong direction. So we need to develop our closest relationships within the body of Christ with people of like value, like faith, and like morals. And we need to take action to not be lonely. Thirdly, loneliness is caused by a lack of fellowship with God. God often uses loneliness to get our attention. 
We were created first and foremost for relationship with God and sin breaks our fellowship with God. So when we're lonely and we can't feel God's presence, God may be trying to get our attention that something is wrong in our life. So we need to regularly search our hearts, humble ourselves and confess anything that might be hindering our relationship with God. First John 1, 6 says that if we claim to have fellowship, that's relationship, folks. If we claim to have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness or in sin, we lie and are not living in the truth. So he's saying, you know, if there's something in us that is unconfessed or unrepented, it, it's going to hinder our relationship with God. And when it does, you're going to feel a loneliness inside of you. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and and." tongue-tied, purify us from all unrighteousness. And that, folks, is how fellowship with God is restored. Someone once wrote, what you often call loneliness is really homesickness for God. You've just never recognized it. Sometimes we are homesick for God, but instead of working on our relationship with God, we are looking to people to try to fill that emptiness inside. Why? Because Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has set eternity in the human heart. In every human soul, there is a place that only the eternal can fill. There is a longing for God. Some have described it as a God-shaped vacuum, an empty place in the human soul that only God can fill. And there's a direct connection between our feelings of loneliness and our relationship with God. So what do we need to do? Trust God and seek intimate connection with him. Loneliness can be the result of not cultivating a deep and intimate relationship with God. We need to spend time with God in prayer, in worship, in the word. We need God's abiding presence in us. That's the antidote to loneliness. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is our constant companion. He is our comforter. He is the lover of our soul. All these things the Bible tells us he wants to be in our life. God is faithful no matter how you feel. He promises that you are never alone. He is with you. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, amen. And he loves you more than anyone could ever possibly love you, amen. And then what we need to do is we need to discover purposeful loneliness. You know, Jesus often pulled aside to be alone with the Father. Exiled on the Isle of Patmos, sent there to die for preaching the gospel, John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he received a revelation from God, which is a roadmap of the end times. We call it the book of Revelation because he received revelation from God. Paul was alone and lonely in prison. Everyone had forsaken him, but what did he do? He spent time writing letters to minister to the church and witnessing to the guards that were keeping uh, uh, charge of him. And, and now his letters still minister today because it comprises two-thirds of the New Testament. What, what am I talking about? I'm talking about purposeful loneliness, folks. Step out, do something for the Lord. Step out, minister to others. You will be surprised how it's going to change your outlook and it's going to fill you. It's going to fill you, amen. Maya Angelou, in her book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, speaks of a universal need. She describes her lonely childhood in the segregated Deep South where she was shuffled back and forth between several family units. And she comments, 
of all the needs a lonely child has, the one that must be satisfied if there's going to be hope of wholeness is the unshaking need for an unshakable God. That's the one need that must be satisfied in every lonely heart if we are to have any hope of a life of wholeness, fulfillment, and meaning. Because folks, if God is not satisfying that deepest place in your soul and you try to find that in human relationships, they're gonna disappoint you. They'll never be able to satisfy that and you're gonna put so much stress and pressure on that relationship that nobody can meet that it's gonna end up destroying that relationship. So what we need most of all is to have that close and intimate relationship with God. And then we need to step out and begin to take the actions to develop meaningful relationships with other believers in the body and to minister even in our times of loneliness. Would you bow your heads with us? Let's take a moment and pray that the Lord would help us to cultivate deep connections with others and to regularly seek a deepening fellowship with him. Just take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now. Father, we thank you that you care about all of the needs of our life. You care about our feelings, our emotions. You care about when we feel lonely. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have provided for those needs. We thank you, Lord, that first and foremost, we find fulfillment, joy, and contentment in our relationship with you. Help us to daily seek a deepening fellowship with you. And Father, we thank you that you have provided relationship for us. Your word says that you set the solitary or the lonely in families. And you have set us in the family of God. We thank you for the blessing of the body of Christ. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to step out of our comfort zones and build relationships with one another so that we can be a blessing to each other and that we can find the fellowship of believers that enriches our life and we will know that not only are you with us, but that we are not alone in this life. There is a family of believers that will stand together with us, that will walk together with us, and will pray for us, and will enjoy and share life together with us. Thank you for the blessing of the church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you, we love you, have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.